Well, this morning, we're going to begin in Psalms 116 and just kind of work our way through verses 1 through 7. And uh, I just want to say this morning very plainly, and I hope you can say with me, but I love the Lord. That's my message this morning. I, I just love the Lord. I really do. I love the Lord. And that's the way the psalmist begins here in Psalm 116, verse 1. He says, I love the Lord. For he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. I love the Lord because he hears me when I pray. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that are looked up to and they're thought of as important or powerful, but I have some bad news for you. Most of them wouldn't give you the time of day. But the Almighty One, the one who really matters, He's there when we turn to Him. I love the Lord because He always hears my prayer. He always has time for me. He's not too busy. He's not asleep. No, He always hears my prayer. I love the Lord because He heard my cry for mercy. So many times I have cried out to the Lord for mercy that he would help me. I've called out to him, not for what I deserve, but for what I don't deserve. Oh, that he would show me his mercy. And I love the Lord because he is so merciful. I love the Lord because I can always call on him and know that he will hear me. Verse 3, he says, The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by my trouble and sorrow. You ever been there? Then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, save me. You see, in the times of absolute desperation, the times of serious illness or loss or whatever else might come in this life, He's been there for me. I love the Lord because I know that no matter how bad things may get, I know that He will be there for me to get me through. I love the Lord because the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He's so easy to love. He really is. Verse 6, the Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, He saved me. The simple-hearted. That's me. I'm a, I'm a fix-it guy. I like to think that I can fix anything. But the truth is, there's a whole lot of life that's too complicated for me. I, I mean, you know, I like to think I'm pretty wise, but I can tell you this, that there's been so many things in life, so many situations that I couldn't fix, and I did everything I knew to do, and it didn't work. I did, you know, all the strength and effort I could to change something, I couldn't do it. But here's the thing, the Lord can, and He takes care of me. He hears my prayer. He protects me. He gets me through. When I was in great need, He saved me. I love the Lord because I can be at rest once more, oh my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. See, I love Him because I can be at rest in Him. I love Him because He is always good to me. Never been a time when the Lord was not good to me. He's always good to me. 
The scripture tells us in 1 John 4, 19 that we love him because he first loved us. And that is true of every person that loves the Lord. I would tell you, it's because he first loved us. That our love comes from knowing the love of God and how much he loved us. Paul prays for the church in Ephesians 3:19 that they might know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Well, how can you know something that passes knowledge? Only by the Holy Spirit. You see just with the natural mind we can't really even grasp the depth of the love of God, but by the Holy Spirit we can. And that's my prayer for you this morning also, that you would know that love that passes knowledge, that passes understanding. He has so plainly shown us His great love. In Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our very worst, Christ died for us. I want you to know this morning that He loves you. Whether you believe in Him or not, He loves you. Whether you're serving the Lord this morning or not, He still loves you. You might be struggling with some drug habit. You might be in in a bad situation in your life. I want you to know that He loves you. If you've got issues this morning, God still loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter what your background, He loves you. He loved us when we were at our very worst. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, how He loves us. And then in Romans 8.32, He says, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? You see, if He gave His Son for us, there's not any good thing that God would withhold from us. He loves us so very much. He sets us free. He heals us. He's there with us when we're lonely. He lifts us up when we're down. He he mends us and heals us when we're broken. He provides for us. He strengthens us. He takes care of us. He loves us. I love the Lord. We love Him because He first loved us. Jesus said that the great command from Matthew 22:37 is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great command. This is the most important thing. This one thing we need to get this morning that we're supposed to love him with all our heart. You see, there's the big word that's repeated again and again in that verse. It's all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind. It can't just be a portion. It can't just be half. It can't even be most. It's got to be all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And I want to tell you something this morning. He deserves that. He is worthy of that kind of love. And it's not just a feeling Because there may be times when the feelings wane, but I want you to know that our love for God should never wane. That it ought to always be strong. It ought to always be all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. It is something that from the heart we choose to do, that we truly love Him. I listened to a popular preacher one day online, 
And he was talking about the great command. And he reads the great command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then he says, now Jesus knows you can't command love. So much false teaching in our day and time. And this guy pastors a mega church and people all over the nation listen to this guy. I could not believe it. I had to rewind and watch. I watched it like five times with my mouth hanging open. I can't believe he said that. My Lord commanded it. And he can command it. And he doesn't tell us to do anything that we can't do. And we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And anything less is just not right. He deserves that. See, I say this pretty often, but it just makes the point really well. In a time where people are just so in and out and up and down, you can't date Jesus. It's always been all or nothing with Jesus. And if you read the Gospels and the things that Jesus says, you know that. It's all or nothing with Jesus. You can't just be in and out and up and down sometimes with Jesus. No, it's a real commitment. It is something that you choose from the heart to love Him. You know, this isn't real popular to say, and people kind of buck up against this sometimes, but... If you're a born-again Christian, you belong to Him. He owns you. You are bought and paid for. If that that rubs somebody the wrong way, let me tell you, they just need to get saved. Because this is how we got saved. We were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We were bought, purchased from our bondage, purchased from the penalty of our sin. The Bible tells us this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Bought and paid for. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I belong to Him. And I love Him. I'm not going to give Him a half-hearted devotion. The one who gave His all for me. And it's not just a, a warm feeling, a fuzzy feeling. It is a choice from the heart that we make. And that we should show our love for Him in our lives, in the things that we do, in the things that we say each and every day. It's got to be in the things that we do, not just what we say. As 1 John 3.18 tells us this, My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. There has to be some real action. It has to be evident in our life that we really do love the Lord. It's got to be lived out in how we live. That's what makes it real. See, anybody can say, I love the Lord. But it doesn't mean anything if our lives don't back it up. Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command. That just kind of wraps that up, doesn't it? If we love the Lord, we will obey what he commands. That's what Jesus says. And you see, in this religious culture, a lot of people, they try to do what's right, sort of, some of the time. You know, they try to 
worship and they try to go to church and they, they try to obey the Lord and they're giving some and they try to witness, they try to be involved. And you know, when you don't, you feel guilty. and It kind of turns into this works thing and it's all just kind of a beat down. Let me tell you what the real issue is. We need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And when we do that, we want to worship. We want to go to church. We want to be involved in the work of the Lord. We want to give. We don't have to. We want to. You see, church, we need this this morning. Just halfway or mostly, it's just not enough. We got to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. When that love is our motivation, I want to tell you it's not hard to obey. See, sometimes we think that it's an obedience problem, but it's really a love problem because when you really love him, you'd obey him. That's what Jesus said. But a lot of people just have a hard time in their life because they're not really willing to commit their lives. To the Lord. They want Jesus in their life, but they're not willing to really turn their life over to Him. They don't love Him with all their hearts because their hearts are divided. Matthew 6 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, when He says mammon, most of the time we just say, Well, He's talking about money or talking about things, but there's in this word that is often thought of as money, it really also refers to anything that we put our trust and confidence in. So it doesn't necessarily have to be money. But the point that Jesus was making is, he says it straight up at the beginning, he says, you can't serve two masters. A lot of people, a lot of Christians try to do this. But you can't. Sooner or later, there will come a day when you will have to choose. You can't serve two masters. There'll come a day when you have to choose between God and money and things, when you have to choose between God and your career. There'll come a day when you have to choose between just doing what you want or doing what God wants. There'll come a day when you have to choose between pleasure or serving God. I'm just telling you, there will always come a day you can't serve two masters. Jesus makes it so clear that in the... Jesus says that in the end times, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. I believe we're in the last days. And if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it makes it so clear as it talks about the last days that it'll be terrible times. And it basically just describes the generation that we live in. But there's three things that it mentions that people love instead of God. And I want you to see that this morning. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. And then in verse 4, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Three things that he mentions that people love instead of God themselves. Some people just live for themselves. They just do what they want to do. They make their choices according to their own selfish desire, and their attitude is, this is my life. I'm going to do what I want. Lovers of themselves. 
And there's so much false teaching today that it's even being taught from pulpits. You need to love yourselves. The Bible talked about this day when men would be lovers of themselves. You either have self as a God or you have the Lord as your God. It can't be both. And then he talked about money. Wow, we live in such an affluent time and nation, don't we? We are so blessed materially. It is amazing. I mean, in our country today, the average person, I mean, we have things that Solomon and all of his wealth couldn't even imagine having. I mean, it's amazing how blessed we are materially. But when we make a God of that, when we turn our career and our success into a God. And then he talks about being a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. And when I, when I think about pleasure, you know, I realize that that's a broad category and it covers a lot of things. But there's a way that I want to describe that this morning that I think all of us need to deal with in our own life, in our own heart. We become lovers of entertainment. I mean, we just, you know, we want to escape. We just, you know, we want to enjoy. We want to have a few minutes to relax. We want to have fun. We want a few laughs. And so we become lovers of entertainment so much of the time. It's just a version of that lovers of pleasure. In fact, it's even that attitude has even come into the, the church. It's amazing how people want to be entertained in church. Instead of encountering God, they want to be entertained. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I want to tell you, we don't need a latte. We don't need smoke and lights. We don't need a bunch of video or anything else. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But what I am saying is, is that we need to keep our love for Jesus and not the stuff, the trappings. It's not about that. We're here to encounter God. And I'll tell you, if God shows up, we don't need any of that. And if He doesn't show up, there's no reason to ever be here. We have to have the presence of God. That's why we're here. This ain't no movie theater. We're here to meet with God. And when that happens, oh, that's everything. That's everything. I love the Lord. I tell you, we need to love Him with all our heart, with all our mind, all our soul. We can't give Him less than our total love and devotion. He deserves that. You know, being a Christian, I think for a lot of people, it's become about what they want and how it helps me. Not about what He wants. It's about what pleases me, not what pleases him. It's about what he can do for you or me, but not about us serving him and what pleases the Lord. As Paul said, we make it our goal to please him, to love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. I'll tell you, it's quite different from what you see in the Christian world a lot of the time today. You know, we got to have that passion to say, here's my life. 
Lord, I lay it down, whatever you want. It's a living sacrifice. Anything you ask of me, whatever you want, Lord, that's what I want to do. I think there's so many Christians that somehow have just been kind of caught in, in the middle of the road here where they, they're just not really on fire for God. And they, they've made their Christianity, you know, it's, it's important, but it's not that important. You know, it's, it's in the words of C.S. Lewis, the one thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Because if it's real, if this is true, it is the most important thing in the world. And if it's not true, then we're just playing games. But you see, if it is true, oh, then how can we not love Him with all of our heart? He's, a, he's worthy of that. He deserves that. We've got to be those on-fire Christians, you know, those ones that get accused of being fanatics. There's nothing held back all out for God 24-7. You love to come to church and to worship. You're a student of the Word. You like to pray every day. There's not anything you wouldn't do for God. It's full tilt, full contact, no pads. You're all in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know there's some of you in this church this morning that you are on fire for God. And I also know that some of you are struggling. Some of you are caught in that middle somewhere. And I tell you, God is wanting to do a work in your heart this morning to draw you in, that you would come to that place where you truly love Him with all that you are. Revelation 3, 15 and 16, the Lord says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And I want you to notice that he says, I know your works. See, a lot of people today, they want to say, well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. He knows it better than you do. But here he says very plainly, I know your works. He sees whether or not we're really living for him, whether or not we're fully obeying him, whether or not we've made it our goal to please him. We can go through the motions sometimes with half-hearted obedience, but most Christians, I'm telling you, they're just living kind of somewhere in the middle. They've gotten comfortable. They go to church when it's convenient or if something doesn't come up. They stand and sing the songs, but not really worshiping with all their heart, not worshiping in spirit and in truth. And they're too tired to pray because, you know, they stayed up too late watching TV or on the Internet. Or... Listen, we need to be on fire for Him. He deserves that. All the passion that we could ever give Him, He deserves that. So many just kind of drift away. They stop going to church as much, stop praying as much. They make excuses. They don't really talk to other people about Jesus anymore. It's kind of a sad story. When Jesus was arrested and taken away, the Bible says that Simon Peter followed at a distance. I think there's a lot of Christians that follow at a distance. They keep it safe. And he came to a courtyard where people had gathered and they had a fire going. And Simon Peter warmed himself at the fire. And then 
If you know the story, you know that he denied the Lord three times. A servant girl said, you're one of them, you're one of them. And he said, no, I'm not, I don't know him. And there's a lot of Christians warming themselves by the fires of the world. But they try to keep it a secret that they know the Lord. He deserves more than that. He deserves our passion. You know, one of the things that people often do when they're lukewarm is they hang out with other people who are lukewarm. It's more comfortable that way. And if you're struggling this morning, I encourage you to get around some people that are on fire for God. It will help you. He goes on in verse 17, he says, Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. See, when you're lukewarm, you think you're just fine, but Jesus says you're not. Verse 18, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness might not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. We don't buy it with money. We buy it with the sincerity of giving him our lives. He talks about gold. What could be more valuable? What could be a greater treasure than to have a real relationship with the Almighty God? He talks about a white garment, righteousness, sanctification. So many people living in compromise in their life. Jesus has something better for you. And then in verse 19, he says this, As many as I love, he loves you. He really does. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Wow. He loves us. You see, he loves the lukewarm, but he rebukes and he chastens. It's for our good. And here it comes. He says, I rebuke and I chasten. And then he says this, Be zealous. Be zealous, therefore. You see, in our culture where so many people just kind of live by their feelings, people bring that into their faith and their walk with the Lord. Well, I'll get zealous if I I get all stirred up, you know. Stir yourself up. Jesus tells you, be zealous. I rebuke and chasten. He says, be zealous, therefore. I want you to know that He deserves our passion. He deserves a fiery love. Not just lip service, but our hearts. Not just some form of religion, but that we are truly passionate about Jesus. You know, in America today, it's okay to be passionate about anything except God. I mean, you can be passionate about your pets. You can be passionate about your sports team. You can be passionate, oh my goodness, you can be passionate about politics. You can be passionate about fashion and clothes. You can be passionate about food, amen? Amen. Some of us thinking it's almost 12 o'clock. You can be passionate about working out. You can be passionate about anything. But if you're passionate about God, that's just weird. There is nothing more worthy and deserving of your passion than Jesus, the one who died for you, the one who is gracious and merciful to you every day, 
the one that you call out to when you're desperate. He deserves your passion. And He says, be zealous therefore. You go to a rock concert, a political rally, a football game. You can shout your head off and get all excited till you're hoarse from yelling. When your team loses, you can cry. And when your team wins, you can jump up and down and dance around. And people will say, boy, he's a real fan. But if you go to church and you get all excited, people will say, well, he's a fanatic. We need to be passionate about our Savior. He's worthy of that. He says, therefore, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Change. That's real change. I've been this way. I don't want to be this way anymore. I'm going to change. I'm going to be different after today. I'm going to be all out for my Savior. I'm going to be passionate about the Lord. Passionate about worship. Passionate about serving Him, working for the Lord, passionate about telling other people about the Lord. And most of all, we ought to be passionate about the Lord Himself. How wonderful. Verse 20, He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Oh, that we are invited to commune with Jesus. How wonderful. That's the the greatest thing, that we would be passionate about that, to have that kind of closeness with the Lord. Do you love Him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? After the resurrection, the disciples had seen the Lord. Can you imagine how powerful, how exciting that must have been for them to have seen the risen Lord and talked to Him? But one day, Simon Peter, he says, hey guys, I'm going fishing. You know, the one who was called to be a fisher of men. He says, hey, I'm going fishing, not for men, for fish. And the guys all said, hey, we're going to go too. He was quite the leader. They're out in the boat and they see Jesus on the shore. They fished and hadn't caught nothing. Jesus asked them, have you caught anything? They said, no. He says, cast the net on the other side. Peter, he was pretty sharp. He knew that that had to be the Lord. They caught a whole big mess of fish. And Jesus says, hey, bring some of the fish you've caught. We're going to have breakfast. Fish for breakfast. Bring some of the fish. Here they are. They're having breakfast with the risen Savior. How awesome is that? Wasn't that nice? I mean, to sit down and just have breakfast with Jesus. Some of the fish we caught, because he told us, you know, this is so awesome. That's not the end of the story. Jesus says to Simon Peter, he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He's talking about the fish. 
Do you love me more than these? I got to tell you, there's not anybody who calls himself a Christian that would not be offended or hurt by somebody questioning their love for Jesus. And this, this guy, Peter, I mean, he's the one that he said he left all to follow Jesus. He's been through so much with Jesus. And now Jesus says to him, do you love me more than the fish? Peter says, you know that I love you. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. He said again to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He was hurt because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit is dealing with hearts. That He knows that many of us here this morning have had some compromise. Maybe some areas of our life we just haven't really been fully committed to the Lord. Maybe like Peter, there was a calling, there was a purpose, there were things that God wanted you to do. And you're not doing it. And the Holy Spirit is calling us to that deeper kind of love where we're willing to do whatever He wants, whatever He asks of us. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray, and I'd like for our prayer partners to go ahead and come.